what would you say to campaigners who are against repealing the Eighth Amendment? What would you say to people who say that we have no right to make a choice on a living thing? I wouldn't say that much to them, actually. <laughs> However, what I would ask them to do would be to come and spend some time in a clinic and watch the stress and the anxiety that an Irish woman has when she walks through our doors. Welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and I'm delighted to welcome to studio this week members of our editorial and social creative team here at Her.ie. Jade Hayden, Anna O'Rourke and Anya Leach join me. When this episode goes out, we will be in the final week of the referendum campaign this Friday. The 25th of May, the people of Ireland will go to the polls to vote on whether or not to repeal the Eighth Amendment from our constitution. Ladies, you're very welcome to the show. So as is the norm, we are going to kick things off with our game. It's called Six Words or Less. And normally we do this as a way for our guests to introduce themselves more. But in keeping with our theme this week, I'm going to ask you to describe the referendum campaign and what it means to you in six words or less. So let's go to Anna first. Okay, mine's kind of negative, but my six words are dying for this to be over in the best way. As in, we've all had our say. We're all trying so hard to get our points across. Everyone on both sides are, and I'm sure everyone who's participated in the debate is just waiting to find out the result and yeah. just wants this to be over the line. Whatever I think happens. there's a little bit of referendum fatigue that's starting to yeah, kick in a little definitely. bit. So uh, that's not negative though, that's just honest. I like that. Anya, six words or less? I was like trying to count it up before the show, but um, even dead people have bodily autonomy. So, so I was reading this somewhere that, um, you know, like you're organ donation cards or whatever so yeah. if you were to pass in the morning and you didn't actually tell someone you wanted to donate your organs nobody can touch your body I've never heard of that like so as you, in I've never heard of that put into this context before that's really interesting yeah like you've totally bo- you've total bodily autonomy am I saying it right yeah yeah um, when you pass so I don't understand why we don't have it now when we're alive really mm. strong okay no. Jade six words or less Anya's is so much better than mine I'm actually <laughs> raging um, I came up with a couple okay um, my first one is looking forward to having rights yeah um, because I am mm-hmm. so that's, that's kind of that one and then the other one is please please don't be a dick <laughs> yeah I love that. Please, please don't be a dick. Yeah, straight to the point. So Straight yeah. to the point. So the point of this episode and getting you guys in is to talk about the way that we as journalists have covered the referendum. So to say that it's an emotive issue is an understatement. Obviously, it's divisive. And only today, the latest Ipsos poll was released by the Irish Times. And it says that in total, 44% of those surveyed said that they would vote yes in the referendum. And 32% said they would vote no, while a further 17% remain undecided at the moment. Additionally, 5% said that they would not be voting and the final 2% refused to answer as well. So this is obviously going to be changing over the final few days in the run-up, but it is kind of an interesting snapshot of where the electorate are just days before we go to the polls. So in terms of facts, the Eighth Amendment acknowledges the right to life of the unborn, equating it with the mother's right to life. So the original amendment was passed 31 years ago in 1983 with a 67% majority and it was heralded as a victory for pro-life campaigners. So Jade, you've written a series based on repealing the 8th which predominantly focuses on the facts around the upcoming referendum. So why was it that you chose to deal with the facts of this? Well, there was a couple kind of options that we talked about I think when we were trying to figure out what, what way we were going to go about this and I think my initial response was kind of like why don't we just write a lot of comment pieces? And then I thought, no, because people aren't going 
to be wanting comment pieces in the lead up to this and so close to the end as well. And I think a lot of the time we take for granted that most people don't have as much information about this topic as, say, like you or I do or even our friends or the people that we're close to. Um, I know I certainly did for a while as well. I kind of assumed that everybody had the same level of information and education on abortion that I had and was still learning and like learning new things. But a lot of people aren't. A lot of people still think it's a black and white issue and they're sort of they're either voting that way, yes or no. And I just think it is so important to lay down the facts and to even debunk some of the, I suppose, buzzwords and phrases that have been going around as of late. I mean, I think a lot of the buzzwords, I suppose, as you call it, and phrases would be um, myths, I suppose, or, or maybe people are saying, I mean, obviously it differs from each side of the campaign, but a lot of the things that are coming from the no campaign are really shocking statistics that I think people are taken aback when they hear them. Yeah. And also they don't know whether they're true or not. So, I mean, I suppose a few of the articles that you touched on in the Fact or Fiction series, one of them was abortion up to six months. Yeah. So, I mean, is that true? Is that what's going to happen if the eighth is repealed? Um, no. Okay. Straight up just no. And that's one of the big as well that people have been sort of talking about because it's been on you know 10 foot high billboards it's been on posters around the country um it's it's not just like a misleading statement it's completely false okay you know the, if the vote goes through the government will be free to legislate for abortion as they choose um and Leah Varker has already said that late term abortion is still going to be illegal there's going to be a ban on it so that essentially means that anything over 20, 22, 24, they haven't specifically said what late term means in terms mm. of like the time, but um, that, that just won't happen. Um, it's more likely going to be, it's going to be 12 weeks without specific indication. That's what's been said. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's not true yeah. what's been on that billboard. And there's even, you know, um, Leah Radker has said that there will be a 72 hour um, period of reflection as well. Yeah. So that kind of, it does sort of like completely debunk the idea that abortion will become a flippant decision and abortion will be something that will be used as contraception or be used sort of just without without you know thinking about it as if it's an easy decision because it's just not. I mean it's the whole thing of like abortion on demand and that's probably one of the things yeah. that is definitely said a lot by the no side and by the no campaign but a lot of what you were dealing with in your series is, is kind of coming back to the idea that it's uh, a woman's choice and that's kind of what you've been talking about mostly with your pieces isn't it? Yeah yeah it's kind of the idea that abortion isn't just a black and white situation and that we're talking about right now isn't just whether you agree with abortion or whether you disagree with it there are a lot of factors at play Mm. that um, really haven't been they have been hashed out but they haven't been hashed out to the people who sort of are undecided and the people who need to know this information either so instead of just taking the Eighth Amendment as something that does or doesn't allow abortion it also restricts the health care that women can have in Ireland um, it also makes it extremely difficult for parents who have wanted pregnancies who may discover that their fetus has a fatal fetal abnormality. It makes it extremely difficult for them to have a decision to decide whether they want to continue that pregnancy or whether they want to end it because you know they might not be able to deal with the tragedy that comes with that. Yeah, one of the other things that you mentioned as well is the cost and I think that's really interesting because yeah. it's not something that's spoken about a huge amount and I think it was something that I definitely learned over the course of the campaign and that's how much it actually costs for a woman in Ireland at the moment if she's in crisis pregnancy or if she has to travel because of a fatal fetal. So can you talk us through um, the cost of what it is for women to get an abortion? 
Well, right now, the procedure itself, if it's below 12 weeks, it's between 500 euro and 600 euro. Okay. Um, that's in a B-pass clinic. Um, it probably differs slightly depending on what clinic you go to. And that's not including, obviously, flights no, and accommodation, travel costs, no, everything which like that. obviously vary as well, because yeah. depending on what day you're going, flights are going to be extremely more expensive if you go on a weekend as opposed to if you go on a weekday. Um, I know certain clinics like B-pass do offer women travelling from Ireland a bit of a discount as well because mm-hmm. they know that the extra costs they're going to incur when they're travelling. Also with um, fatal fetal abnormality as well the procedure tends to take a bit longer Yeah. so the chances are if you're travelling for that kind of procedure you are going to have to stay abroad for a lot longer. I mean these are things that then you know some women just can't afford this Yeah. Like, that's the whole thing yeah. and I mean I think that was one of the things that I saw um, be brought up a lot by the yes side um, talking about you know there are some women in this country at the moment who are not able to and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later Anna because you know that's when sometimes abortion pills can be brought mm-hmm. into it. Um, Anya I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the content that you covered uh, across the site so you chose a woman's story and you chose it from the In Her Shoes Facebook page and then you went out into the public and you spoke to the public and just tell us exactly what your idea was for this video concept. So the whole idea about that was I had done a few things, I think it was only a few months ago, maybe before Christmas, that we had done a Vox Pop and we went out and we asked people directly what their thoughts were and it it got very messy and people were getting very passionate and I said I don't want to do that, it's too much and especially at this time leading up to the referendum yeah so I just thought why not just share somebody's story and then people can make up their own minds so we went on to the In Her Shoes site and myself and Ian who was the cameraman working with me at the time um, he the pair of us sat down and we went through the story and we edited it down because we actually had to cut out some bits because we said it was too graphic and it was too long and people weren't, weren't going to sit around and read this story but what I found really interesting when we went out, it wasn't hard actually to get people to read it, but the people we found hardest to stop were people on the fence. And they were really like, I'm on the fence. I don't want to read this. This is going to change my mind. And I said, but it's not like this is just a story. This isn't me trying to say you should read this and this will make you vote yes or you should read this and you sh- it'll make you vote no. It's just a story. Just read it. And one woman actually read it and it gets quite quite graphic um, halfway through the story. But um, she was reading it and halfway through she said, I don't want to read this anymore. This is too much. Really? And there was no reason behind it. She was just very like, I'm pro-life but I'm on the fence. So she had agreed to, to take part before. She had begun reading and then she stopped in the middle of it. Yeah, and said, I don't want to read this. This is going to change my mind. So it was open to reading it for with like a set agenda that she was set in her ways and once she realised that this was slightly going to change her mind she was like no that's enough I suppose so then the question that would be put to you would be did you choose a case in order to get that reaction from people and I think people talk about these hard cases a lot Um, you know if I was to give my opinion on it I would say that every case where a woman has to make this decision is a hard case so I think when people call them hard cases it it seems like a bit of a cop out to me because I would imagine that that's the toughest choice that any woman will ever have to make but it's not up to me to make that decision you know Um, but did you find that that was a reaction that you got a lot now at the same time I think we have to remember you were going up to people with a microphone and talking to them about abortion Yeah, like we can't sugarcoat that you know it's a tough topic so I mean 
when people agreed to it, could you see them change as they went through the story? Oh, totally. There was a group of girls that we went up to. Now, anyone we went up to, I think there was one woman we actually forgot and that was just totally ours. But anyone, anyone that we went up to, we said, look, this is what the story is. Like, as a rough, this is a story of a woman who's gone to England. And so everyone agreed to read it. But a group of girls that we got to read it were, I don't know, they were real having a good time having, I felt bad for stopping them I was like this is totally going to ruin your day yeah. but um, stop them and they are giggling and everything and as they read it their faces just dropped and dropped and dropped until the point that they were crying by the end of the story right and, um, and they were young girls the possibility of maybe being first time voters or yeah yeah right yeah so it was it was interesting seeing like they probably were yes voters anyway but even they I don't think were aware of the severity of some of the stories out there mm. because I know a lot of my friends even that are yes voters aren't aware of the severity of the stories. And what has the reaction been then since you've put that video out? So we were expecting before we even put it out all the um, anyone that was voting no was going to be up in arms but I'm actually totally surprised there was a lot of yes voters that were like yes this is great blah blah but the there was a handful of no voters but they that were against the video and against the whole concept of the video but that was going to happen regardless and I think on both sides if you're very yes or you're very no I'm not sure if that video was going to totally change your mind Okay we have a short clip here of what happened when Ani went out into the public It's just I can't believe the shame that these women have to go through they shouldn't have to. It's horrible. Like no one should have to. No. Like no one should have to do that. Like no. This is the reality of the Eighth Amendment. You know, and the, and the shame she's feeling. It's awful. You, you got to really feel for her, haven't you? Um. It's quite traumatic. It's quite frightening. It's really sad. It's sad. Obviously, not shock because we know it happens all the time. That probably happens every single day. She was totally alone and had no one to help her apart from that nurse. She's never been in the position where she had to take the risks involved in this story. And No one wants to do it. Um, but sometimes you have to, and every circumstance is completely different. We can't keep exporting the problem. Um, I don't think that saving the eighth is actually going to... It's not going to save lives, it's just going to export the problem. I'm as pro-life as anybody else, but I believe in the right to choose and the right for people to make decisions about their own lives, and I have confidence in women to make the right decisions. Uh, I think women should have the decision, really. It's their bodies, their choice. We really need to have proper legislation here and safety for every woman, that they can make their own choice without living in fear. I think that it's just so important that we start looking after our own women particularly this woman in this story who's 22 and who needs somebody to stand up for her and give her her voice. You know, that, that's, that's it. OK, we're going to take a quick break now. So I travelled to the UK a couple of weeks ago to talk to someone from the British Pregnancy Advisory Service. We used real stories from women of the In Her Shoes Facebook page in order to try and understand their journey. So here's how I got on with Donna Stenson. From our point of view... We want to know about the process for Irish women okay. when they arrive here. Yeah. So, for example, if I was an Irish woman who was looking to 
get services from you? What would be the process that I would take? Well, the process, if you were still in the Republic of Ireland, yeah. would be Google. That's yeah. the first thing that you do. We do advise uh, women from the Irish Republic to avail themselves of counselling in Ireland if they can, because the last thing we would want is a woman travelling to England and then deciding to continue with a pregnancy. And there are services that are available in the Republic that really, really help us out if a woman's been there beforehand had the discussion about her feelings regarding the pregnancy and has had some background around what to expect when they're coming to visit us here in the UK. Um, so I guess the first thing they would do is Google it, as most, yeah. as most people do. Um, the HSE have their positiveoptions.ie website, which is a, a pretty good list of counselling services in the Republic of Ireland. And if a woman chooses that route, then she'll present herself at one of the counselling organisations go through the three options counselling and then be given information about our services. But if a woman in Ireland chooses not to do that, we do have a bpass.ie website which talks about the specific things that Irish women need to consider when travelling to the UK for abortion services. And when you say consider, you mean, like, is it the basics of travel information and if they're going to stay the night and things like that? It, yeah, there's some legal stuff in there because we always get asked about the legality of services. And then there is all logistical stuff, because when it comes to Irish women, it's always about the logistics of getting here, paying for the treatment and getting back. And when you say the legal stuff, are Irish women afraid about the legal stuff? Yeah, and a lot of them ask questions like, is it legal for me to actually get treatment in another country and come home. Uh, an example of that would be, you know, women, if they're having some form of complication in the follow-up to having a procedure, they will ring us sometimes and say to us, is that okay for me to tell a healthcare professional here in Ireland that I've had treatment for an abortion in England? And is it? Yes, absolutely. And how do you find that the women are when they arrive here? So they've gone through the processes and they've taken the steps, whether it's going and, and speaking to someone in Ireland and then they come here. What are they like when they get here? Well, often they're exhausted yeah. because they've got up at three o'clock in the morning to get on an aeroplane to get here. They've probably done buses, taxis, trains um, and a plane or a, or a boat to get here. They're often stressed because those things get delayed. So there's often frantic phone calls saying, I'm going to be late for my appointment. Um, and they come through the door and often it's a relief when they get here. So we see quite a lot of very nervous Irish women when they walk through the door. Apart from the fact that coming to an abortion clinic is an unknown yeah. uh, entity anyway, you don't know what you're gonna be facing, and the perception that they never were gonna be accessing abortion services. No woman aspires to have an abortion, so why would she think about what's involved in the process? So when they get here and they find that our reception staff and our nurses are nice to them, yeah there's a palpable relief that, that comes. And often we try and see our Irish women as quickly as possible um, so that they're not sat in the waiting room kind of building up those nerves. Obviously there's a big campaign happening in Ireland at the moment. So what would you say to campaigners who are against repealing the Eighth Amendment? What would you say to people who say that we have no right to make a choice on a living thing? I wouldn't say that much to them, actually. Yeah. <laughs> However, what I would ask them to do would be to come and spend some time in a clinic and watch the stress and the anxiety that an Irish woman has when she walks through our doors. Um, how you then can deny a human being the right to fix a situation that is impalpable in their, their lives 
would be what I'd ask them. You know, stand there and watch how stressed out it that woman is. Or think about the subsequent child that might be born into poverty or into a family where uh, a mother cannot cope with another child. Whatever the reason, we do not have the right to project our own views onto somebody else's decisions. There's, um, as part of this campaign, there's a lot of, obviously, posters that are going up in Ireland, and um, some of them are are more hard to take than others, and there's one that keeps kind of making the headlines, and it's the statistic that one in five abortions, uh, or one in five pregnancies in Britain end in abortion. I suppose there's a concern in Ireland that if the Eighth Amendment is repealed, that it would open the floodgates for abortion on demand. So what would you say to that? There is um, an accepted uh, percentage of pregnancies that end in miscarriage, and it's thought to be 20%. But how we know that, we, we don't, because not everybody knows they're pregnant when they have a miscarriage, and not a, there's no register for miscarriage. So that, that's the big number that's gone. Yes, there are the numbers of births. Yes, there are the numbers of conceptions. And yes, there are the numbers of abortions. But that's not the full picture. However, I think it's a moot point because it doesn't matter. Mm. At the end of the day, a woman's not going to sit there and say, do you know what, too many pregnancies have ended this year, so I'll tell you what, I'll keep this one. Yeah. Right? It's an irrelevant debate. It doesn't matter. Whatever the number is, is what the number is because a woman is exercising her right to make that decision for herself. So I have been asked that question um, very recently um, and as far as I'm concerned it's not something that I think we should be getting into the debate about. It's an irrelevant figure because women won't take that into consideration when they're making the decision that's right for them and their families. How do you think history will look at Ireland in terms of the resistance that it's had? Because if we were to look at, I think I saw a map where, you know, the amount of countries where abortion was uh, legal and Ireland is definitely sticking out in terms of Europe anyway. How do you think history is going to look back on our resistance to bring this in for women? Personally, um, my view of it is it, it's in, in lots of ways the Republic of Ireland have been um, very innovative, being a relatively new nation and part of the European Union, a leader in that respect. And there are some elements of of you know, the way of living that are far and above parts of Europe. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to reproductive health, it feels like it's a third world country to a certain degree. And I think the, th this is a massive opportunity for the Republic of Ireland now to design an abortion care service that is really humane, because I, there's, a, there's a misconception here that abortion's legal. It isn't, it's still a criminal act here. Our Abortion Act just provides grounds to break the law. And so we're going through the decrimin we're trying to campaign for decriminalisation here. The Republic of Ireland really has an opportunity now to design a service around the needs of women and their families and not to put it in criminal law, to make it part of healthcare provision, which is what it should be. Okay, so we're back. So I have to say, um, when we visited the abortion clinic in the UK, it was an extremely surreal experience. I think the whole team who were over there with us felt uncomfortable. There were women in the waiting room. We felt like intruders. We felt like we were just completely in the wrong place. You know, we 
we did have microphones and video cameras and stuff so obviously that wasn't helping but the staff were really really kind and they were welcoming and I instantly felt at ease I also remember thinking and hoping that these women felt comfort as well when they walked in Um, of course not all women who are involved in a crisis pregnancy go abroad so many order abortion pills online and they take them at home um, without any medical advice. So, Anna, you covered this aspect. Mm. Um, so it's a reality for many women. Why did you decide to do this in the first place? I just wanted to find out what it would be like if it were me, mm. if I had to do this and I couldn't afford the couple of hundred euros to go abroad or to whatever it was, yeah. if I couldn't afford to have a baby. If there was whatever reason that people do this, they do it a couple of times a week, every day. We don't have a an exact figure on it I mean we know that thousands of pills are seized yeah. probably more get through so um, it's certainly something that a significant number of Irish women will have done in in their time and um, it's just it's not to be forgotten when we hear about the numbers that travel there's a, a number that do it themselves at home With I just that, wanted yeah. to highlight that Yeah, I mean I think it kind of sounds almost more lonely do you know like yeah. taking these pills yeah, in your bedroom or or anything like this. So just talk us through the process then. So the first thing you did, I'm presuming, is just put into Google yeah. abortion pills. I think we should say from the outset, though, it is illegal to order Absolutely. abortion pills online in this country. It is illegal, yeah. And um, as I'll explain, there are a lot of risks to it as well. So yeah, like I had no idea how to go about it. I put myself in the shoes of someone who wouldn't have any idea. I just Googled, did a little bit of research. There are different message boards, whatever. Came across a particular website, um... I was directed from another website because I was told that that website had had difficulty getting the pills to Ireland because of whatever. Yeah. So this website asked me a questionnaire, first of all. So it asked me to establish how far along I was in my pregnancy. So I made up a date of my last period and it said, you are six weeks along, so grand. And then they asked about my medical history. That's a kind of a, a detailed enough questionnaire, but at the same time, it was only maybe five, seven minutes to fill out. I mean at this point I could have lied I could have said anything you could be suffering with anything you're not talking to a doctor you're talking to a screen so I filled in what I thought they might want to hear that I was fine that I was healthy there was nothing wrong with me that I was just pregnant Um, and then after that I was given a couple more questions one of them was why I wanted a termination and I was assured at this point that whatever answer I gave it wouldn't affect my getting the pills and there were it felt like millions of questions or millions of answers. Really? Yeah, so there was everything ranging from I don't want any more children, I don't want children, I'm not in a financial position to have children. Um, it was the the product of an assault. Like, there were so, so many reasons given. Okay. And um, it just kind of brought home the reality of, you know, this isn't a, a niche thing or it isn't... Um, it isn't something people do in a whim. Like, there are real serious reasons. And why, there are so many reasons. Yeah. yeah. Why people do this. Um, so, with all that done, I um, I was asked for a donation. So, there was a suggested amount and I paid the amount via card. And then I was asked to set up a PO box in case it couldn't get to me in the, the normal post. So, was there an option that you didn't have to pay this donation? And so, how much was it? Like, do you yeah. mind? So, I was, yeah, they asked for 75 euros okay. and um, it's suggested amounts. So, you know, you pay what you can afford. They asked if you have more, please give more because they operate on a kind of a, a voluntary organisation basis. So they said, if you have more, give more. If you can't afford that, give whatever you can. So, I mean, straight away, it's so, so much more affordable than, of course, than yeah. other options. 
so made the donation um, they came back to me a little while later and they said that's fine you're whatever is in the post so as it happened I didn't need the PO box it got to me in the ordinary post it came in a really plain envelope you mm-hmm. would never think it was anything it was um, just a little padded envelope and inside was a small Ziploc bag with nine tablets in it Wow. Um, like that's a lot. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a very strange moment to sit there. You think there. that it's only ever going to be yeah. one for some reason? Yeah, just so sure. Yeah, yeah. Looking as well. That's yeah. the most yeah. bizarre. No, you wouldn't be to know. And even if you came across the package, there was no box. There was no instructions. Just a little slip of paper to say, "Look at your email for the instructions." We sent them to you. See, that is so dodgy to yeah. me. Yeah. Like it, it felt like Alice in Wonderland. It was just like yeah. drink me, eat me. Like it was just really, really bizarre. Go to your email. So mm. I mean, it's like what are we all taught? Like never. To take any medicine like yeah. there's not clear packaging yeah. on it. And rightly so like of it, course. Sh- it shouldn't be that it's mm. in a in a little Ziploc bag like it was just a small bag of pills. Yeah. And So then you, you had an email then? I had an email okay. and the email said there was um, one tablet you take one day and then there are several other tablets you take the next day and they will um, give you an abortion. They will make you miscarry the baby. They can only be used up to nine weeks I was told. Um I was given another kind of a number of warnings. One of them was not to take them unless I could get myself to a doctor within two hours. Okay. Which scared the shit into me. Yeah. It's pretty severe. I mean, they're saying, oh, yeah, you can take these at home, Mm. but just don't, you know, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere because this could really get serious. And it says that you shouldn't be alone as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was told not to be alone, but I would imagine a lot of people who do take these are alone. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it seemed like a fairly, as you said, like a lonely experience and a a strange experience to just be going about your ordinary life. You pick up this envelope with your little tablets, you go home, you set aside the time to to have this happen to you and you just go through it. Yeah. It's bizarre. What yeah. freaked me making that video was how easy you got them. It was yeah. literally order them online. And the fact that it's a questionnaire of... What is it up to nine weeks? Yeah. Like if you're a 16 year old kid, like I wouldn't know if I got pregnant, God forbid, soon, I wouldn't know how far along I was. Do you know? No. Remember we were talking about this on the desk recently. It's like there's a way of adding it up that you could be, most people are wrong when they think they're 12 weeks yeah. or actually yeah. 15 weeks, that kind of thing. Yeah. So if you're 16 And you're probably years old, distressed or a bit confused anyway. Yeah, so you could and be I mean, way past the nine week mark. Absolutely. Or even you could chance and go, oh, well, I'm 10 weeks, but feck it, we'll give it a go. Yeah. I mean, and there are some serious complications that could happen. I mean, in reality, what it does is it, it causes a miscarriage. So that's very heavy bleeding for um, quite a while, for kind of 24 hours at least, if if all goes well. There are complications. You could get an infection in the cervix. I mean, you could hemorrhage. It's, it could get really nasty. Yeah. And um, that's really the, the take-home is in these pills are used in other countries for a medical abortion all the time. Yeah, you, you mentioned that in the article. Like, I mean, these the medicine that you get, the WHO lists them as yeah. a, a necessity Absolutely. For, so, for health. Yeah, it's not like I'm getting these from some dodgy guy in a dodgy place or whatever. Possibly no. I am. But the pills themselves, if they are what I'm told they are, mm-hmm. are drugs that are effectively used in other countries all the time to do this yeah. and they're done with the supervision of a doctor and that's key because the doctor will know what to do if you hemorrhage or know what to do in XYZ situation or they'll know if it's right for you if it's wrong for you 
you can't fool a doctor you can't lie to them about your medical history mm. you can't lie about whatever they'll know what's best for you and that's really why it's so so important that women shouldn't take these at home shouldn't order them online it really really should be done with the best possible care there for women and it's just a shame that, that that's not available in Ireland I think we have to say as well that we did destroy the tablets Oh yeah, after. absolutely gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, gone. Did not want to look at them anymore. No, yeah. Um, so you also spoke to canvassers. Mm-hmm. So you spoke to people on the yes side and to people on the no side. Mm. Um, so I don't know, have any of you canvassed at all? No. No? No, I would love to though. Um, I have such a massive respect for people who mm. have been out there and who yeah. have been doing it because it seems like such a daunting and genuinely hard thing to do because yeah. I I've been putting off talking to certain family members about this for a while and I'm going to mm. have to do it this week crucial week and I just can't imagine going up to a house and not knowing what you're going to find there I know and like you hear horror stories of people you know shouting abuse at, at other people regardless whether they're yes or they're no and I mean that's really funny that you said that because I've kind of been doing that as well yeah. and mm-hmm. I saw a really interesting tweet there I think it was yesterday I can't remember who it was but it was just have a chat like if you're afraid to do it just have a chat today have a chat tomorrow have a chat with people who you think might be on the fence and if anything it's not that you're trying to force them but you're just having a chat you know and it's kind of bringing it back and I think that's important as well to kind of hammer home to people like it's not about forcing your views on people but it's just about having the conversation at all having the conversation at all and I think that's kind of like with the coverage and stuff that we did like and Jade with some of your you know, debunking of, of certain kind of scare tactics, I suppose. It is just about putting the facts out there as well. And I yeah. think that's something that's really important to do. So what was that like, though? I mean, what I'm sorry, but being a canvasser, I would imagine it's kind of like being a door-to-door sales yeah. person, except harder. Yeah, so... <laughs> because people will call you murderers and stuff like that. That's it. it. The idea came to me just because a girl came to my door mm. and started talking, whatever, and she made it really personal and I was like wow like you have to put all of yourself out there so a stranger agrees with you you know yeah. it's like she was kind of her angle was using her own experience and if this were me or if this were you or whatever and she made it very very personal and I just had such respect for her for for bringing herself so close into it yeah. when she didn't have to no one paid her to be there there was no reason as such to be there other than she just believed in it so much um, so I wanted to find out what that was like kind of more in depth so yeah I spoke to someone on the yes side and the no side um, obviously two very very different people both women both young actually um, but with very opposing views and um, just wanted to find out about their experiences so they they told me honestly that it was everything from draining to fun to emotional to anger inducing I mean, I'd say within the space of an hour going knocking on doors, you could have all of that. And I'd, were they both kind of similar? As in, like, did it seem like they were both getting similar stories? Yeah, I mean, everyone is going to put the the best foot forward. So both the yeah. women were like, oh, yeah, everyone is really positive. Of course. And we're, yeah, and I mean, that's fair, obviously. Mm. I can understand why they would do that. Um, but they were both honest and they both told me, you know, the reality of it that you do have to kind of put on a brave face and just remember why you're doing it that you believe in it and um, they they just yeah they explained that um, their reasons for doing it were strong enough to make them want to go and bang on do- strangers doors and to yeah. do this like to go up to a stranger's house 
if you've kicked your ball over their wall must be really tough oh I never did it yeah. like you remember when you were a kid yeah. and you're like ooh and you're like running around <laughs> next door and you're like excuse me but like for them they're like so there's this thing um, about women's bodies and I don't know if you've heard of it and um, sorry to bother you while you're eating your dinner and can I and can you imagine like it just must be draining yeah absolutely so um obviously whatever side of the fence you're on you have to have respect for these people who just Absolutely. do that and I think it that's a really good point to make it doesn't matter what side you're on you should respect the people who are going around and, yeah. and bashing on the doors and like I've had people from both sides I've had people who I agree with and people who I don't agree with and I've afforded them both the opportunity because yeah, I, I've also heard stories of people who are just like ready for it and like yeah. come at me and I'm going to slam the door in your face and stuff. I was like, oh, thank you, thank you very much. Like yeah. I threw their stuff away, yeah. but I yeah. but I appreciated it and I wasn't rude to them. And I think that you know, let's not get nasty. In That's the, fair. In the yeah. last few days, yeah. You know? Like I was walking down Grafton Street at the weekend, and like the amount of people from both sides that were out and just stopping people and I saw a couple of people kind of engage and engage to to start a fight mm. and I was kind of would I do that would I not do that if someone came to me what would I say if I was challenged how would I like weighing it all up as I was going about doing my shopping and I was like do you know what like there is no point in in coming back at someone and shouting or getting angry or whatever I think have a have a conversation and hear their side and give yours and discuss it but but I mean I don't think it I don't think it benefits anybody I mean no. did you all see the debate that was on yeah. Orti and debate, I know yeah, yeah debate <laughs> I mean I know Orti is a national broadcaster and I understand that they have to um, quantify their balance with regard to BAI regulations and stuff like that um, but I took offence to that mm. like I just don't think that it what I think people are looking for is information and I think they're looking for facts and I watched it and I I didn't learn anything I felt really angry afterwards and I think that it didn't portray the debate in a fair and balanced manner and I think a lot of complaints were made to Orti and I don't think they're going to come out and explain that further until after the referendum which I don't think is fair what yeah. do you guys think? Yeah they said that they won't they said that they won't tell people exactly how many complaints came from whatever side in the interest of balance again they said that they did give everyone an equal chance to speak and that they were fair and balanced but I think the main issue is that balance in this situation just isn't working No, that right now we do just need objective facts and at such a crucial point coming up to this referendum having a debate like that on RT1 on our national broadcasters just did not help Mm. I think if you were undecided and you turned on your telly and go okay there's a debate on I'll, I'll pop that on and see how I feel afterwards if you tune in and you just see a mob shouting yeah. you might just give up and not go to the poll at all which whatever side you're on that's not what anyone yeah. wants I've also never seen a debate where people are literally like clapping and yeah. like yeah. hollering Screaming. it's yeah. usually like you can hear a pin drop I thought yeah. that's that's why I didn't do a debate because I actually thought they're kind of boring because I was just like <laughs> nobody wants to listen to that like yeah. you know but I actually found that the, the style of it didn't really lend itself to either side and I don't think either side came out on top either but it, it dragged down the whole like what's at the centre of this is the issue like yeah. abortion and for both sides it's sensitive but to to look on you wouldn't think it was a sensitive issue no. you'd think they were talking about something really flippant because of what the crowd was like there and was what, name calling and yeah. stuff like this I which, mean whether you're voting yes or no or wherever you fall in between like 
to to carry on that way about something that really upsets people is just it's really not on like so it's kind of representative of this whole thing anyway because like it's not facts it's just people screaming at each other it's like the posters they're not facts they're just screaming mm. nonsense it's yeah. just it's just one big mess really yeah. do you know yeah. and you need things like Jade's articles that are just fact 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 here you go make up your own mind yeah do you mm. know and more stuff like that needs to be especially mm. this week I agree with you I think um before I let you guys go Anna I just want to talk to you once because you spoke to a GP and one of the things Mm. that I did think was good in the debate was that there were a lot of GPs in the audience and I find that really fascinating listening to it from their point of view because they're the people who are dealing with women on a daily basis they're the people who are listening to them and then who are at the moment not able to give them any more information by law so I mean you spoke to Dr Ross Kelly who's a GP in Dublin Mm -hmm. so abortion regret is something that I think was brought up a lot and has been brought up a lot so is that something that you spoke to him about and what did he say about that? Yeah so as you mentioned yeah I've heard a lot about it I wanted to hear from him whether he had seen it and he said he hadn't he said it wasn't uncommon for him to to speak to his patients about abortion he's had women come in in crisis situations Mm. and he's given them whatever information he can within the law and um, when I heard that, I was like, right, so have you ever had anybody come back and say, that wasn't for me or I've had whatever, an issue since? And he said he hadn't. So, I mean, that's just one GP. But he also cited um, a study which said that for most women, the emotional response to an abortion is relief. Yeah. And um, he said, and he was very keen to point out that in the medical community, they only deal in fact and studies and research and they don't do conjecture or anything and he said that it's widely kind of known that um, relief would be the, the predominant feeling for women afterwards I suppose it's it's kind of like what we spoke about earlier in terms of abortion on demand and it's about what abortion is going to look like in Ireland if, for example, the Eighth Amendment is repealed. And I think that that's one of the big things that is being spoken about. And I think a lot of people, rightly so, have a fear about statistics. And I know that you spoke about that in your Facts or Fiction. Um, People are afraid that the abortion stats are going to just absolute skyrocket. I mean, so what did he say about what abortion would look like in Ireland if the Eighth Amendment is repealed. Yeah, so he said he'd like to see it in communities where women know their GP, know who they're going to, and um, that it's accessible. Like, the idea would be that it wouldn't be in an anonymous hospital or that you would have to travel a great distance or whatever it would be, that it would be accessible and easy for every woman. Now, that's not to say that there won't be the 72-hour period of reflection or that you won't have to speak to a counsellor or whatever it is, but he wants it that as many women as possible who need it can have a termination or at least have the care that they deserve and that they need. Yeah. Before we go, I do want to ask about what your final thoughts are on it. So I know like at her.e we've taken a stance on it. We've said that we are very much about repealing the Eighth Amendment. We all have spoken out about that. Um, a few things to note though is that, you know, on May 25th when you're going to the polling stations, do not wear any paraphernalia heading into the mm. polling stations because you will not be allowed to wear a head-to-toe manly repeal um, which I have, <laughs> which I would love to wear. Um, as well as that polling stations are open from 7am until 10pm make sure that you don't write anything on your polling cards is that what they're called? 
on the ballot yeah so there's going to be a huge amount of spoil votes so obviously don't be like you know drawing little mm, doodles yeah. of fingers or whatever whatever people do because uh, you will have a spoil vote so Jade I'm going to come to you first so what is your last reflection as we as we head to May 25th um, I'm glad it's nearly over mm-hmm. um, that's kind of my main takeaway of it um, I've also been just sort of struck by the hugeness of the situation lately I think um, I was away for a few days and I came back and all of a sudden it was just poster, poster, poster yeah. debate. And it's, it's definitely historical. Yeah. I think it's not like it's something that we have to remember that this is going to go down in history regardless of the outcome. Yeah, it's it's strange when you're sort of like we're living through it and we're all quite involved in it, the four of us here, in terms of like what we've been reporting on. Um, it's strange how it sort of creeped up in a way mm. um, when you take yourself out of it for a few days and you go back in. It's just, it is in- incredible how just important this is and how much of a big deal this is and I think just taking a step back from it and actually just looking at it from the outside is it's mad like it is mad I think in a few years no matter what the result is we'll all look back and think how did we not lose the run of ourselves during Mm. that and I think a few people have but (laughs) it is people are tired yeah yeah. it's hard it's really hard doing this absolutely so Anya what do you think May 25th to just keep having the conversation like Jade I'm tired and I'm tired of having the conversation but it needs to be had and especially with friends that you haven't had it with before because there's a lot of I think we called it earlier in the office like secret voters that they're Mm. basically because voting no is like not cool do you know like people aren't saying Mm. if they're voting no that they're going to vote no because they're afraid of the backlash from people like us that are so Mm. passionate about it so open that conversation up with friends that you think might be on the fence or whatever and not be afraid to have the conversation and be open to listening to them and giving maybe educating them and educating obviously would be the next biggest thing because I think if you were to vote now or to choose not to vote because you're not educated is just choosing to be ignorant in this referendum because all the education is there on your phone it's literally that easy to get and also respect is really important as well so I mean like if you are having conversations with people and you don't necessarily agree with what they're saying it's important to respect and to not fall down the rabbit hole of mudslinging because we've seen that happen on TV and it literally affords no opportunity for anybody for people who I think are really genuinely trying to learn about the situation and I think there when you see these people like I can imagine if I was younger but looking at these people who are legislators and who are lawyers and who are doctors and stuff basically kind of resorting to childhood name calling it's just not doing anybody Mm. any good and I'm not going to change anyone's mind by doing that either no I don't think so and I know that they're so passionate about trying to get their message across but I think that there are probably better ways to debate this issue than what we've seen so far but you never know in this final week in the final days we may see more information come out um, Anna what do you think final thoughts on on May 25th I suppose when you say that there's 17% undecided yeah. like that really is I mean you could look at that as in like that 17% that we could maybe get to the yes side yeah. I mean I would love to see a yes vote obviously and um, I just I think if you're undecided just have a read keep reading keep reading everything don't just read you know from one person or from one thing get as much information as you can really really get to grips with it you won't regret it you know just put a little bit of time into it and it'll pay dividends 
and um, also just to to say that uh, not voting at all is a no vote because if you don't vote nothing will change if it's if a no vote is the the winning vote things stay the same and we're just if things stay the same we're going backwards absolutely so, yeah. yeah I think like education go onto the websites like Anya said everything that you need to know is on your phones mm. or go onto her.ie read the articles that Jade and Anna have written look at the videos that Anya has been making all of the information is out there and don't waste your vote it's really really important so that is all the time we have for this week thank you so much to Anna, Jade and Anya for coming in and talking to me Shane Dempsey was on sound Fiona Delaney was helping us out I'm Eve Mar and we'll chat to you next week.